We are live on the air, and we have Stephen Bupp. Hey. We've actually talked to you before because you, you were in, you're in the band section with the roller coasters, but now you've got a solo project. That's me. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we're just going to get a couple things out of the way because now that we do this video podcast, we are starting to get sponsors, and you might see up here on a corner um, what our sponsor, but we're going to actually put up something so you can actually see a little bit bigger um, this sponsor. It's called Double Jack Online. They're out of Germany. If you take your cell phone and scan that, they do philanthropic um, uh, lotteries. So you're going to go and play Keno, you can play Powerball, and then a percentage of profit goes to charity. And so you can check that out. Uh, we'll have uh, we'll put up the banner for a second so people can see that. So you can either scan that with your phone or use the link we have down here. And now um, we'll just have that for a couple more seconds because they are the sponsor. And then uh, we'll get into... The interview we're going to talk about the chiptune album from Stephen Bupp. So we'll get this off the air now <laughs> and, <laughs> and get back our Phantom logo because everybody wants to see Phantom. Yeah, there's the Phantom logo. for sure. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this year has been kind of weird, and uh, you know, people are starting to figure out different things, and it's cool. I, I, I mean, I was talking to you, and it's like, wow, it's like I see you out there. I was like, oh, yeah, you're from Sex with Roller Coasters, Sex with Roller Coasters, and now you actually have. A very unique project that's totally different than what you did in the band thank you yeah yeah I, i've you know you you've known me from sex roller coasters i've been in that band for for years i i've been playing rock and roll music for years uh namely you know guitar and just doing like punk rock stuff since i was like a teenager um but uh unfortunately you know we couldn't couldn't meet up because of because of all the things happening uh but i want to continue to make music and I, I didn't want to just make more rock music because that's what the band's for. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I just started making, I just picked some stuff I thought was cool and just started making uh, weird chiptune video game music. <laughs> well, there's one thing I've always noticed because like the video game industry is kind of competing with like the same fans that used to buy music right they're totally engaged with sure. youtubers you know watching dashy or whatever they're, they're on 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 their playing you know all the games and gamers are kind of rolling everything so is it do you have a love for video games or that kind of chiptune type of sound or you know from that kind of old school gaming or was this an idea for for the sound for this for the music uh, well, this is this is the second album I've released under under my own name. Uh, my first album was like straight up music that I made with the Sega Genesis, um, just because I, I I wanted to do something that um, that reminded me of like kind of like you know what I used to do for fun like growing up. I just growing picked up, yeah, yeah the, the coolest sounds that I had. Um, so when I when I made this album, an opera of knives. I, I want to continue that, and um, so I I wanted to use a, a Game Boy, get those real like you know crunchy eight bit sounds. Oh wow! So the first album was the Genesis. Yeah, yeah. yeah I <laughs> um, had a Genesis. I had a I had a Dreamcast, and I had a Saturn, and I, yeah. I totally was in love with the Saturn. For I, sure. I was, yeah, I was like, I was like, oh, I was like a big like I I didn't like it when PlayStation came because I was like. <laughs> I loved, I love, I hated how how Sega got kind of wiped out, uh, um, yeah. because I really thought that the jet, like the Saturn, and the Dreamcast were really good systems, and they just didn't get the chance, you know. Yeah, um, for sure. I'm 
not sure what happened there, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I always, well, I'm always rooting for the, like the underdogs. So I'm like, sure. I like, I like knights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like the, nobody else likes knights. It's like, well, I like it, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's interesting. So we want to show, we actually want to have people uh, listen to the title track. So we're gonna bring that up so we can, cause we can do that here. For sure. And we're going to bring up um, the song and, and we'll put you on mute and we're actually going to play the whole thing. We don't care if we get the strike because we we're not about that. But um, <laughs> we don't get a strike, but we just, they tell us how we can't monetize. Well, we, we get we get money from other things. So we don't yeah, care. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what we're going to do is we're going to play Opera Knives. That's the title track for the record. And we're going to give you a, a good picture of it. And then we're going to talk more about the whole record and the project. So that's cool. We're going to start that now. We'll put you on mute once we start it. Right on. Here we go.
that's the title track at Opera Knives from Stephen Bupp. And let me just get back to our main view so everybody can see where we are. So that that what's cool about that song is, like I said, it's like it's interesting because I I heard I kind of felt like a little bit of a um, a Pink Floyd vibe um, a little bit um, from the early uh, Floyd, um, but but then at the end I kind of heard a little bit of like PIL. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> public Image Limited, you kind of kind of channel a little a little kind of Johnny Lydon at the end. It, it kind of reminded me of like a Public Image Limited, like from Metal Box or something. Sure. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, it is. Well, you know, people might not know my strange references because I listen to all kinds <laughs> of weird music. But um, like Sid Barrett, Pink Floyd. I'm, I'm not talking about the big, you know, expansive Pink Floyd. Sure. Sure. Like the original Pink Floyd, but um. Mm -hmm. So like the whole project is, is is very different than what people would know of you from sex uh, with roller coasters. For sure. And you had done a previous album um, um, that we had talked about, but this one again, you maybe talk about the focus and how you put it together and the instrumentation. It's like because you're the single producer on this whole thing, you're primary songwriter and producer for this whole project, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I I did absolutely everything um, from you know, arranging and recording, mixing, mastering. I did all that stuff. Um, uh, most of it, like I said, I, I really wanted to, to with this project, my, my main focus was like, I wanted to expand, but also shrink from the, the previous album. So uh, I went, I went with the Game Boy. Uh, that was my main start. Um, and I'm using something called an LSDJ, which mm -hmm. is a, a program that you can actually flash onto one of these, oops, USB carts. Um, and that that has a, a tracker in here, so it's got like a, a list of stuff, and you literally put stuff on the list, and it uses the actual Game Boy sounds, um, which you know you can just put right into your computer, or whatever. Um, so I, I wrote all all the songs as sort of like a sketch, uh, mm -hmm. using that, and slowly pulled stuff out um, to use to use like actual orchestral instrumentation to to take those places. Um, yeah, it sounds like like Mellotrons and well, stuff like that, you know, but um, like orchestral pads, like like what it could you could get off of like a, a D50 or like <laughs> a JD800 D or something. But, you know, I'm, I'm going into my sense to head stuff. But um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just, I, I like the, t the, the direction because I'm a synth head, right? So I'm a I'm a total like uh hardware synth guy i'm always like talking about jupiter Absolutely. 8s and 106s and modes and <laughs> right proper fires and oberheimers but but like it's cool when i see somebody you know you're a guitar player right uh primarily yeah 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 i, I always thought i always think it's really interesting how a guitar players approach like synth type music you know it goes back to even like pete townsend like his approach to synthesizers he's known in, in even organs like hammond organs right it's like in the synth world, he's he's like one of the best players, <laughs> sure. Because because the way he came at it is is not what Keith Emerson did, right? right? It's not what Stevie Winwood did. It's not what Stevie Wonder did. He came at it from a totally different way, and it's kind of like a very modular way. Like kind of what people do today. He was doing like with Bob O'Reilly, and right. you know the stuff he did with the ARP twenty six hundred on Relay for sure. And won't get and um, who are you? Um, so. Yeah, it's just interesting to hear your approach with the chip tune, which is is kind of you know is a very underground kind of thing, um, right? But uh, the way yeah, the way you did it is just really interesting. Maybe talk the, more. Deep. 
I, uh, I, I never really came to the to the table as being like a chiptune artist, but um, you know, obviously, I'm using a lot of chiptune hardware and stuff. And that mm-hmm. whole community, like those those people, are are mostly wonderful. They've they've accepted me and and just you know are always promoting each other's stuff or promoting my stuff. It's a real cool community. Um, yeah, uh, like I said, I, I started with the the Game Boy, and um, I, I I'm more of a, a producer that or a, a songwriter that like I hear stuff in my head. I'm not really like a, a play stuff and and let stuff happen type of guy. Um, so yeah, like sometimes because like you know guitar is my first language. Sometimes I'll have something in my head and I'll have to play it on guitar to know to what to notes to put into the synth or into the Game Boy or into something else. Well, yeah. I think that's what we, I think I said that I think that approach sometimes causes things to happen that a keyboard player won't do, right? Because right. we're kind of we're taught as a keyboard player. If you're like you know, I think one of the cool things is when you come from a different instrument and you try something else, like like if you get a sax player and he jumps on a guitar, sure, yeah, right. Yeah. Then it's like he's trying to phrase like his sax, right? Yeah, right? he's trying to play saxophone with his fingers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's 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 always really cool because I think. They could even like synthesizer players. The way we tr- think traditionally is we have to try to get in the head of the instrument we're trying to replicate, right? right? right so, on. if I'm playing a sax, I shouldn't play endlessly because I should be taking breaths, right? Right? <laughs> if I'm trying to play drums, I should try to think like a drummer and actually listen to drum tracks to try to pick up how a drummer should play. Absolutely, if I play a bass, I should try to think about like how a bass player plays. And so, like, the cool thing about if you're a synthesis, you're trying to like replicate other instruments like all the time that's what we do <laughs> right <laughs> um but when you come into it something like a chip tune it's kind of like a feel it's like a genre so like so did, did you actually have to consult with anybody to kind of get into it or you kind of just discovered it on your own um to to actually learn how to utilize the hardware i watched tons and tons and tons of tutorials and mm-hmm. stuff um because it, it's not intuitive you kind of have to know what you're yeah. doing yeah. Um, there is an experimental process to get some of those like cooler sounds. Um, the the Game Boy is pretty interesting. It's got four channels. It's got two uh, square wave channels that are just straight eight bit noises. But then it's got a wave channel, which is like very very uh, primitive synthesis. So you can actually kind of like change the wave. You can pick saw. You can pick square sign, and and, and manipulate it that way. Um, like a wave table maybe yeah it, it's, it's exactly what it is um that's interesting i didn't know that that had that yeah yeah it's just it's just that one channel um you can either that channel actually has two purposes you can either use utilize it as a wave table or um it can do like very very small sampling oh that's cool like pcm samples like but, would have been like a d50 or tiny type it's yeah they're like they're minuscule <laughs> yeah four bit at best so they're like super distorted but like i mean that's kind of the charm right <laughs> yeah it's what you're looking for like if you're trying to pull us 2600 sounds like super basic you know right yeah <laughs> it's 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 ultra rudimentary yeah yeah once you get into these uh old game systems like oh, i want to try to pull like something from in television or ColecoVision. <laughs> yeah <laughs> showing my age because i actually was grew up with those when they was like i was a kid and i could i could pick a 2600 a Coleco Vision or in television, any like I, everybody, I said twenty six hundred because I look better. <laughs> but but you right know, I don't. <laughs> but yeah. uh, my my yeah. first my first system was the Sega Genesis, which is why I, I started with that. My first album. That's um, awesome. I, mean, I, yeah. I actually was one of those kids that was crazy. Could we like 
you can play Space Invaders at home. And <laughs> yeah. I was like an arcade kid. And that's, right. the, you know, and I, I mean, I'm a child of the 70s. So I would go to the arcade and be playing Asteroids. And then we hear, oh, you're going to be able to play Asteroids at home. And like, what? And we were like, <laughs> everybody was like telling their parents, like, that's what I want. That's yeah, what for I sure. Want. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, you know, so we, I got that, that. That was the first game I ever had. First, you know, games. Let's go. It was the one, you know, it was like, like I said, there was, and television was out there. We were like, what's that? It had got this circle controller. And like, right, yeah. like, real no, wild. I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> but, but um, yeah, this is a, a really wild song. The way it, it, you know, you can hear the initial part is very chiptune. And then mm. you bring in this orchestration. And then you have like this, that choir. Can you talk about like, how did you create that choir of voices? Um, the, the whole, the whole album is, is just kind of like a, a mixture of tons and tons and stuff. The, the vocal effects that I'm doing, especially for like those bigger choir stuff, there's a couple of songs that use it. Um, it's literally like 50, uh, versions of my own voice just layered on top of, each, on other. Top of each other. Oh, um, kind of like Hendrixian because Hendrixian used to did, did that, um, where he just layered like an orchestra of guitars on right. the studio version of the Star Spangled Banner, which I don't know if everybody's ever heard the studio version. Mm. Not the Woodstock version. The studio version, he actually worked with Les Paul and he overdubbed his guitar like 50 times. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and it's in different keys. And it sounds like, if you've ever heard it, it sounds like Rainbow Bridge. Wow. If anybody wants to find it. But everybody knows about the Woodstock version. But right. it, what it has in common is what you just said, that you layered your voice and you created this orchestra of your voice, like mm -hmm. this choir. Even if you think about when, if you did that with a guitar with a guy like Hendrix, it, it just it sounds like this like a bunch of like like a whole orchestra of Hendrix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it, it's it, it's it's mostly it's mostly my own voice. Um, but to get some of those like you know more rich like lower male tones or like the, mm -hmm. the higher female stuff, I uh, I invested in a, a like a vocal synth. Um, oh, vocal synth. You ran it through that. Uh, so yeah, so it's my my voice on top, and then in the middle is this this vocal synth that plays choir sounds. And um, you know, you can play the notes with one hand, and on the other hand, you can choose vowel sounds. Oh, cool! So they're actually like kind of singing what I'm singing, just minus the consonants. <laughs> kind of like the old Mellotrons used to have like vocal choirs on Mellotrons where people would like run the tape, the old it, tape based Mellotrons. It's like an ultra have, modern version of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I use you know to create Josephine Electric. If anybody knows me, I use a a VT3 and a, or a VT4 vocal transformer mm -hmm. from Roland, and it it does what you just said. I can actually. You know, my voice is when it's Josephine is it pitched to a soprano, right? Like four minute chain. Yeah, and it does it in real time. And then you run a format on it, and I run effects on it. Like I run like a bunch of other things besides that, but um, it just creates her in real time. Sure. And um, it's it's always I've always been very interested in vocoders, even going back to the old Moog sixteen channel vocoder that used to used to be in the seventies. It was like phenomenal. That it's a bear. I think cost like five thousand dollars. <laughs> But um, yeah, it's just, it, I, I'm a big proponent of using it to create characters, like the way mm -hmm. you're using. It. A lot of people use them to just stay like auto tune, um, but when you use them to create the kind of situation you did, I think that that's kind of what I think they should be used for. For sure, uh, yeah, because it's it's more creative than just kind of. You can burn people out if you just use them <laughs> the way you hear it a lot. Sure, yeah, <laughs> depends on what you're in the mood to listen to. Yeah, yeah, it just becomes like, oh, I heard that how many times? <laughs> <laughs>
somebody trying to sing when I know they can't sing. Yeah. <laughs> Not to put down people, but um so so like this album is uh is this something that you said you did a first album that was more like uh the Sega Genesis and this is off of the Game Boy. Are you thinking to continue that with like a different game system? For like uh, that that was never really my I don't really know what's next, to be honest. Uh this this album took a, just about a, like an entire year to, to make. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I really had I had a strong vision for this one. I, I knew that I kinda wanted to do that sort of like like ultra gothic kind of like yeah. It's not really church music because it sounds kind of demented, but <laughs> that like you know, big choirs, big, big, big. Yeah, it's got a progressive. Stuff. It's kind of got this progressive thing, like like if you like early, um, like Peter Gabriel Genesis, um, sure, or like or like yes, like mm-hmm. early yes, and I'm a big fan of like progressive rock. You know, listening to like you know in, anything that's kind of in that mixing fusion and funk and orchestral stuff with like you know hard rock and psychedelic rock that's like that's where my headspace is most of the time that's what the ghost stuff is trying to do um but uh yeah so i totally get what you're where you're going because it's a kind of a hybrid because you've got this kind of like psychedelic aspect kind of beatlesque you know orchestral stuff but then it's strange kind of like sid barrett psychedelia a <laughs> little bit it seems to have it i i just pick it up and then and then it's, then i heard a little johnny lyden like i said like pill in it mm. at the end um at least that's what my ear heard you know that's my interpretation but what i end up at the end of the day is like it's, that's a cool mixture you know because it's, it's different like i can hear influences but you're doing it with your stamp you know sure yeah and i I don't I don't necessarily know what what my own uh, uh, flavor is, but I, I kind of feel like if you were to listen to my stuff, you could tell that I had my hands in it, regardless of what it was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you. <laughs> it's you. But you can like I always like hear influences or I like, interpret influences. But but it, I, I do love the like the reason I talk to independent people like yourself or indie musicians is is because of the, the adventure venture like you are willing to actually do something different um which is why i like to talk to people like yourself because there's a lot of stuff out today where everybody wants to go to the same 10 producers sure. and do the same type of thing uh-huh. and even like like even if you could have been in you know just done another replication of what you already do in your band that's yeah um, which is like the safer thing to do. And business people probably would say, well, why don't you just do that? <laughs> but, but, you know, it's like as an artist, you felt like it, it maybe explain to the audience, like for people who, who know who you, what you do in sex with roller coasters, like why you chose not to do that. Um, you know, I, like I said, I, I've been in sex with roller coasters for, for years and years and years. Uh, we started that band in 2006. So whatever the math is, 15 years, something like that. Um, and you know, we, we were doing that, that pop punk, psychedelic punk type stuff. And, um, you know, obviously tons of other genres mixed in there. Cause we all, we all love multiple like genres. Yeah. yeah. We just yeah. love music in general. Um, but that's the music I do with, with those guys. And, um, I, I could just do more by myself and it would probably sound just like a sex roller coasters album, just maybe less, uh, 
more focused because obviously I don't have the the yeah, influence. The whole band, yeah, yeah, because you know like they Pete all... Townsend, Pete Townsend <laughs> versus uh, Pete Townsend solo album versus the Who, right? Yeah. And like, yeah, you can tell it's like a Who type of thing, but it's like okay, it's like when when he just like it's like behind blue eyes, like when he does his a song that's just his voice, right? Versus Roger Daltrey doing like it's typically the voice of the Who, right? But if you have a whole album that's all Pete, then you get like a different level it doesn't have the raw power to adultery <laughs> yeah you know, but. yeah yeah so i i could just do more than that but um you know especially when i when i wrote that first album i i really wanted to do something like i said i wasn't really trying to do chip tune i was just trying to 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 write music and i was mm-hmm. at a point where like i didn't know what to do um so i just picked the sounds that i thought were the coolest i just thought you know like hey i i grew up playing the sega genesis i i love a, a lot of those early soundtracks from from that system and uh i'm i'm also a big fan of of more modern soundtracks both with uh video games and movies and stuff so i just kind of mixed that um obviously you can hear my rock and roll influences uh, especially on this new album with like the drums and stuff yeah the drums um, <laughs> yeah yeah very rock and roll are you you playing the drums um yes uh they're 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 drum samples but i i wanted to i wanted to make sure that all the like you said um i want to make sure that all of the instruments were were real or at least as real as they could be so Mm -hmm. i got an electronic uh drum kit and i made sure to play it so there are samples but i'm playing like a rolling kit or any of those other kits like nowadays you can actually have a really good electronic drum kit that actually sounds like a true drum kit. Yeah, yeah. So there, there are samples from an actual performance that I just kind of chopped up, mm-hmm. put in the drum, or the electronic oh, yeah. drums. So you kind of tape spliced them. Yeah, yeah. I would, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's an old kind of progressive technique. I was like, I always watch music documentaries, and I was watching Peter Gabriel, like my, you know, kind of a progressive guy. Right. And <laughs> and he had like on the Soul album, he had his drummer do like a hundred takes of this track like a five minute track and then he took the tapes and then he said he did like a george martin thing he just started cutting them up he's cut the physical tape up and then spliced it just mixed it all up just randomly mixed it he right said, well yeah we're just gonna because you know peter gabriel's a real progressive like rocker he's like one of those guys <laughs> and he's like i'm just gonna take all this and just mix it all around and i think that's kind of cool when you when you take an approach that's kind of like coming out of left field or something it's like okay like we could do something straight or we could actually take something and then you know throw it around it's kind of famous i think uh wilco did that with a uh, yankee hotel foxtrot they're mm-hmm. kind of famous that they went and took like what jeff tweedy was doing and they totally like just ripped it up right <laughs> <laughs> it kind of turned it into inside out and yeah i think some of you come with an approach it's like well, i want to try something different yeah, you, maybe you were looking at like the way the soft sense are today or the hardware sense, and you didn't hear what you wanted. So you came up like, well, I, I like this sound. And you went and found a way to make that sound. Yeah, for sure. Like like I said, I, I had a pretty strong vision uh, for an opera of knives. So like I, I knew exactly what I wanted it to sound like um, by the time I, I was I was ready to record. So I, I knew I wanted those sort of like bigger sounding rock and roll drums. And, you know, I, I went out and I bought uh a sample pack and 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 played it that's cool i mean it's cool to know when you're a songwriter what your vision is like when you get into it like like i've written like rock operas yeah (laughs) 
where like I, you know, it's kind of like a Tommy thing, like, you know, cause I'm a big fan of Tommy and Quadrophenia but and all those. That's, that's kind of what I was trying to do with this is, is, you know, like each song kind of is like the next chapter of the story. Yeah, I was, so. was going to kind of ask you, is this kind of like, a, like a Tommy or Quadrophenia in your mind? Is it, you, you trying to make it like that? Make, sure. Make it be a rock opera. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so with both albums, I, I, I tried to, to, to make a story, um, you know, of course they're super, interpretive because I, I never lyrically yeah. i'm just not a really specific kind of guy you're supposed to kind of feel it and 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 put yourself in that situation um but yeah you know i 2020 and and 2021 was tough year for me and for for everybody i imagine mm-hmm. and uh so this is just kind of like a, a rip out of out of my diary and just kind of putting, it's, putting more a, it's not like a tightly woven like tommy is a very clear story Uh, it's not that clear (laughs) but yeah but there is a plot and and it moves forward it's kind of like people like say well potentially like sergeant peppers is is considered to be potentially a concept album but there's really no concept right Mm. there's just a bunch of songs that go together but you'd be hard-pressed to say what is the story right Right. um but it feels like there it's, it's it's some kind of theme but you can't pin it down because like whatever you feel it is um it's like peace and love or psychedelia or whatever but it, it <laughs> yeah. feels like it's something uh but you can't define it and then later in the 70s like that, that becomes like the roadmap oh we could take that and actually make it mean like what pink floyd right. does retroactively you know, like <laughs> what, what what you know the cardiffinia was or right what queen ended up doing with a night at the opera i mean people can say oh yeah i can actually take that kind of idea and actually make it mean something or i could keep it psychedelic and like you know sometimes with the yes songs you're like it's a theme but what does it mean <laughs> yeah you know yeah but, yeah this yeah. hopefully because like i said you know it, it's it's up to the listener but ho- this one is, is supposed to be a little bit tighter than that um mm-hmm. you know there there are characters being uh i'm, I'm always referring to either you or me or mm-hmm. there's this third character that i refer to uh who's cons- called the lurker in the shadows um oh, and oh, I, I refer to him a couple times and then you know i i I, like I said, you know, I, I love scores, just particularly in, in video games, but in, in movies and stuff. And I, I took mm-hmm. a lot of those ideas while I was like orchestrating this album. I'm using a lot of light motifs and 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 reorchestrating them in different songs to 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 kind of like move the the plot along. So so not only are there like lyrical characters but they're also like musical characters i guess because the music is is saying the same phrase in a lot of the songs if not everyone mm-hmm. uh but it's, it's, but it's evolving of, in key in tone and what and stuff like that yeah i i love that kind of thing because like a lot of people you listen to like genesis uh, lamb lies down on broadway there's like there's a lot of themes in it but it's kind of like there's like real and they're like oh like what does that mean it's like but you can kind of feel because peter was kind of like i don't want it to be super clear because i want people to kind of interpret it right exactly and so you can either spell it out like townsend wants to spell it out because that's his style so he, <laughs> he so he kind of makes it real clear okay tommy i know who tommy tommy's about and i can figure it out but but like it i think it is more interesting sometimes if you come with like i got this lurker like okay ooh, what, what does that mean because right. then, like, when you're a novelist, if you create this kind of mystery and you're not so clear, I think it's like when you're doing a movie, like if you have a, 
you know, Hitchcock movie and one of the best things about it is like, I can't really figure it out until I get maybe all the way to the end. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I, 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 I kind of tried to do that, you know, cause the whole, the whole album is very, very melodramatic. It's, it's supposed to be huge and, and whatever. Um, but like right off the bat in song one, I I'm introducing you to the main theme within seconds. And then of course it devolves into some other song. Um, but it, like I said, you know, I, I could spell out to you exactly my intentions, but I, I would much rather you interpret it and kind of come up with whatever yeah. you think is going on. I think um, that's always good because if you listen to fans, like they always misinterpret the lyrics from songs. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just up. saying do that on purpose. <laughs> no, it's it's kind of cool. I think I think because everybody kind of to me, I, I think in terms of sound paintings, right? So when I listen to something, it brings up an image to me. And I think that's like the one thing about when you're a songwriter is like you could have like a general theme that you're trying to convey, but how pe how your fans interpret it is their own personal interpretation. Sure. And I think it is kind of cool when when you leave it. Like if you create a music video and you step it out to be exactly what you want that song to mean. Right. And you kind of take away that compared to like if you lead, make it very psychedelic and it really doesn't seem to match, then then people can still have their own interpretation. Right. But if you turn it into like a really clear storyline, then yeah. you're like, you're like, oh, well, then you took it away from them. <laughs> like, yeah, like I said, I, I I could spell it out. But there aren't really too much vocals in the album. Uh, I use them just kind of like like an instrument. There's, you know, in, in the song. Yeah, it's kind of like jazz. It's kind of like, like, like Coltrane. Like you just <laughs> yeah, just, just, line, you know. just, just a little spice of vocals. <laughs> well, I think it's cool because I listen to a band called Sun Ra. A jazz band right and they're famous for just doing like lines like space is the place mm -hmm. or they, they would or like they're very much like coltrane where they, they'll have lyrics in their jazz in their fusion and their bebop but it's only a couple lines and they'll have like a theme and they, their famous one is like space is the place because it's the kind of sci-fi uh, bebop sure. and you're like and you get this idea that they're like, well, these cosmic brothers, you know, they're writing this jazz and it's like, oh, we're going out into space. We're traveling the spaceways. But <laughs> it, it doesn't really go into like, OK, what are you doing out there? No, right. it's just like a chant. You're just supposed to you feel know? it. Yeah, you feel it. And it, it's kind of cool when you just lose very sparse lyrics like that, uh, that you can kind of put a little bit of a feeling and then leave it open. And then you, can, you can still try and direct a little bit of a theme. It's like, OK, we're talking about space. Yeah, we talked about the interstellar ways, and then like, but then you can kind of fill it in to what you think where where we're going. Yeah, <laughs> in in the first song, like I said, right off the bat, I I introduced you know the, the musical themes of the song, and then I got a couple lyrics in there that kind of like pose the question, like, what is this album about? And then you know we got a couple more songs, and then if you listen to the last song, the lyrics are the same as they are in the first one, but there's a little bit more to, so to kind of like a common theme. It. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like like a love supreme. Because if you listen to the suite of love supreme, and like you'll hear it multiple times, it comes in because that's the theme. Right. The same thing with like space is the place. It'll come. It'll be space is the place. It will come in a couple of times. And then I might talk about interstellar ways and other things <laughs> in the cosmos, but it doesn't really deviate, but it will come back to a central theme, which is typical jazz is right. it'll go off and then come back and go off, come back. go up. You right. know, but It's kind of concept stuff. You know, it, it, when you get into fusion and bebop, some of it is very conceptual in terms of the thematic use of things. But uh, 
and I think it's cool when when you can take those kind of ideas and put them into other genres. Um, which is like, I think that's what the cool thing about this age right now is, um, is the ability that, you know, you can mix country, you can mix funk, you can take classical, psychedelic and EDM. And, you know, you can get people who say, well, I don't really want it to be EDM. I said, well, what happens if you mix it with trap? You know, right. what happens if you do, why not? Like, why do you have to have the drop here? Like, why? Yeah, why I mean, just... you, you can jump on the train or you can try to, like, you know, get ahead change, of the curve change, and, and, and make your own train, <laughs> get your own track. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like, you know, for Napper Knives, I wasn't really trying to do anything in particular. I just I just had an idea and I was just like, OK, let's let's throw all all the stuff that I can do at it. I, I wanted an orchestral album. I wanted a, a chiptune album, but I also wanted it to be a rock opera. So why not? Why not all of this? <laughs> well, that's, that's the whole nature of what I call it, like expansive sound, which is, you know, I associate with like my brand, but I, I've always tried to tell people like expansive sound doesn't just have to be phantom. Sure. Like, anybody that's like thinking in that terms is like, I think that's where all musicians want to go is, is, is they say, you know, you can talk to a lot of musicians they'll say, well, I don't want to get pinned down. Yeah. I'm, like I'm indie rock or I'm alt rock or I'm this and that. So if you say you're expansive, then what does that mean? Well, that means we can do anything. You can do everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's something I always struggled with. Even even you know with sex roller coasters, we, we struggle with that. Is that we don't really know what to call ourselves. Like we it, with sex roller coasters, we've settled on pop punk because you know we're really high energy and most things are distorted. Uh, yeah, yeah. But we do a lot of psychedelic stuff. We do a lot of funk stuff. We do a lot of pop. Yeah, um, you guys are expansive. <laughs> yeah, and, and same thing with this. Like, I guess you could call it chiptune because I'm using chiptune hardware, and uh, that's kind of like the lane that I've been advertising in. Um, which, is, like I said, the community well, is wonderful. It gets you into the kind of marketing world. You kind of got a pin where where's the biggest bang for the buck? Yeah, you know, your your core audience. But but yeah, I mean, I think like a progressive synthesis, like a synth wave artist was like, whoa, I like because a lot of a synthesis we like chiptune, you know? Yeah. And even though I'm not a chiptune artist, I can I can respect it. Sure, I mean, yeah, there's it's... actually hardware since being built to actually do chiptune, right? Um, uh, and so, like, in a lot of guys who want you know who are synthesis, they want you know we don't just want like in our arsenal a, a mini moog. Sometimes we're looking for that edge, and like a chiptune like machine is like oh they give me a, like a different angle, right? And not that I would have the whole album that, but I'd like to bring that flavor in. It's like I would think if you're a guitar player, right? The whole, I was taught, I was listening to some guy who was saying, like when you when you mix guitars, it's like this orchestra of guitars. Like when you do an album, a lot of times you would do different tunings, different guitars, different effects coming oh, from different channels. Oh, and synth, yeah, and synthesis do the same thing. It's like we might have our big Moog bass, but then we'll have a Prophet Five because it can sit in the mix, right? Or yeah, yeah, I am, or or D50 because what the D50 can do or a DX7, you know, even going into like, uh, you know, the, the organs like B, Hammond B3s uh, and, and, and just the all kinds of electric pianos. Everything has like a different tone and you want to sit it in the mix. Sure. In yeah. Different ways, right. So there's no, there's, so you, when you hear something like a chip tune, it's like, well, I could, I could take a, like a Moog and have a chip tune, come in or maybe have like a d50 and all these things could have like a, a layering effect like in the idea of like a sound painting sure you know so it's like depends on the, the, what degree you put 
what in the mix you can have this picture and a sound picture that can you know convey what you're feeling as as the, as the writer the the cool thing about chiptune um is that because it's it's so rudimentary you know like these especially the, the older machines um they had to be made affordable for you able to to buy and and to play and you want you want to buy all the games and stuff so those those sound chips are are really rudimentary they're very very super basic yeah and and that gives you constraints that gives you sort of like a small confinement that you have to work in and i i think working with little breeds a ton of creativity because because you have to learn like oh you know i want a big drum fill at this part but i only have four channels to work with so mm-hmm. you know maybe now i'm putting the bass on the offbeat because on the downbeat i need that bass drum sound and yeah. there's just not enough channels to make noise <laughs> but it's kind of like the whole point of like some of the old uh, monophonic analog stuff was like you only could do so much right so yeah you, you, you had to like well how am i gonna fit this into the mix and the limitation is like what we're like why would you like you can use all these new synths and have tons of layers of effects and mm-hmm. like 32 lfos but you might go and just use a mini moog or you might use a mini korg which is like only modified maybe only has one lfo because there's something about that 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 simple sound just using the square wave or just using the triangle or only having one lfo mm-hmm. and 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 the limitation of of using that sometimes actually can can cause you to do things that, that if you have like all the lfos in the world and all the mod the uh, mod matrix is that you go maybe too far yeah with, with all these things happening in the sound and then it's like then it becomes like okay well i want to get more basic right if you you go down to the basic roots and get like a very simple synth you can do really cool wide open demo kind of stuff i always kind of point out like i think about prince like in dirty mind it sounds like a demo and it has a lot of appeal because he didn't layer it right because he kept it simple right and there's a lot of Prince music that's like that. There's like Warner's used to get after him and say, this song ain't finished. And he would like, yeah, it is. Cause that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and, and it's hard because people were like, well, it doesn't sound finished, but that's the point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's something I, that's something I, I struggle with. Like I said, I, you know, it all started on the game boy, but I started putting in those, those, the drums, the, the trumpets, the violins, cellos, blah, blah, blah. And, and I noticed that like the, the bigger it got, the more like l- the less appealing it was. So like mm-hmm. for this album, I did a ton of like recording and then like carving stripping, out. Stripping things out. Yeah. So just to get it, you know, there's, I, I, I recorded a ton of flute, uh, but there, it's only ever used in the first song. Cause I wound up like most of that was just taken up by like violins and stuff. And I just wound up never using it again. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's the one thing when you're a musician. Sometimes I like to like I'll be like in in a session, and I like it, that day I thought this was cool. Yeah, but then it's like okay, I'm stop. Go back two days later and then let's do it. Like, now nah, I should pull that out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I go in there's like like, and I, like I, the day I did it, I said like, I thought that was awesome. Yeah, I can listen to it. It's like, nah, that's 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 not good. Yeah, because you know you you got a cake and you keep putting frosting on it because you think it's gonna make it better, but eventually you know it's it's too sweet to eat. So you gotta like 
wipe yeah, some. Yeah, sometimes off. it's just like <laughs> if you take like a just a Moog base, right? Uh-huh. And then some weird like sample. And it's very sparse. And I was just playing with like I have this sampler, like a morphogene sampler, which is like Eurorack sampler. And the cool thing about it is that you can control it with C V. Mm. So you can take a sample and then you cut it up by running it through all kinds of subtractive synthesis. Sure. And so that in itself can create like a rhythm and you can use it instead of a drum. Um, and so then I was using like, okay, I'm going to experiment with using that as the rhythmic track and then let's do a Moog baseline. Then I went and threw like a bunch of pads on it mm-hmm. and I'm like, came back and I was like, I don't need these pads. And I dropped <laughs> yeah. the pads out and just kept it sparse and then kind of yeah. scattered, wrapped over. It. And I said, well, it felt way better without the pads. Right. Yeah. Sometimes that stuff can be distracting and you kind of just want to focus on, on the, the main element or the main yeah, ingredient. Groove, the you don't want to bury the groove with all the pads. And exactly. All the orchestration. So you kind of like, yeah, it's like, I think as you get more experienced as a musician, you start to realize where you can um, take it away and sometimes better. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so hard though, because you come, you become attached to all the cool stuff you did. Uh, and then you're like, okay, well, that's yeah, not beneficial to the track. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I think it is takes some maturity to actually cut things. <laughs> yeah, it's. I remember, it's I was like, when I was like nineteen, I was like, like I'm not cutting nothing. Yeah, my baby. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, was, I was like, I'm not cutting anything. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then you just wind up with like you know the the wave files, just like a big sausage, and it just sounds like a yeah, wall just, of sound there's too much wall yeah, <laughs> yeah like yeah. i mean yeah i mean sometimes you want the specter thing sometimes you want you know you, you want effect but not like your whole record <laughs> yeah you know sometimes you don't need to have like it sounded like like bruce springsteen you know <laughs> you, you, you don't you don't need that um sometimes you want the dirty mind you know sometimes you want kiss mm. if you you know if you really think about because yeah. because that is is the fact that they put it out it's still rare because they did not want to put it out. I, I read all these like stuff, all this, but I'm a real French fanatic and Warner's really didn't like Kiss. Hmm. They, they thought it was like not good at all. And they're like, this thing is not ready for prime time. But th- that kind of shows you like, <laughs> yeah, they... <laughs> like you, if you're an artist, sometimes you got to really stick by your guns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause like if they haven't heard it, that's a big problem in our industry. Like there's so much wanting to clone. Yeah, because that's that's guaranteed money, and and that's yeah. what they're trying to do is, is is run a business. Yeah, but I think it's uh it's like it's artists. We always have a tendency to kind of you know take off management because like we'll go do something, and then they want us to keep on doing like Hotel California like over and over. <laughs> yeah, and like no, I want to do other stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You get your one big hit, and then they want you to just clone that for the rest of your life. Yeah, and, especially because new, new, new stuff keeps happening. That's cool. So, like, you want to take new inspirations. You don't want to just be making music from the '90s for 20 years. You want to make 20, yeah. 2020s music in the 2020s. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because I think it's weird. Because I kind of go back. Because I, I have a punk aesthetic in my music. Like, sure, I really. Yeah. I'm a frustrated guitar player. I'm a synthesis that wants my sense to sound like guitar. Sure. <laughs> um, and so I try to do that a lot. But um, you know, I may I love bands like Who's Could Do and the Replacements. You know, and you know, like I listen to like Joy Division and like mm. early New Order. And 
I like the guitar. Guitar is kind of like in, in new wave. I kind of, a lot of times I'll focus on how, what the guitar sounds like in new wave songs, not, not the synth because mm-hmm. it's it, people always think about new wave is just all synth, but early new wave and new romantic songs have a lot of guitar. Sure. You know, a lot of drum, a lot of kind of funky kind of guts to the songs. Um, and, and that was always interesting to me because the people just, oh, well, it was just a bunch of pads. It's like, no, you know, it's, it's a, there's a lot more than that. Um, uh, so, so it's interesting uh, as you develop uh, as a musician, just to, to figure out like what you, what you're going to dive into or try to bring back. Cause you know, sometimes it feels like today in rock that there needs to be some kind of reinvigoration. Um, sure. Kind of like when Kurt came on the scene, Kurt Cobain. Um, it just seems like we need another kind of like jab in the <laughs> in the side. Somebody needs to kind of come and hit the scene. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know about the radio stations out your way, but out here, a lot of the rock and roll stations are kind of playing like sort of alternative electronic music in its place, like very guitar. Uh, drum and bass driven but like lots of samples lots of like that sort of just written in that that sort of modern loop yeah, it's a lot of mentality yeah it's kind of industrial kind of heavy dark wave kind of like not edm but like side trans you know there's a lot of interesting things going on but i like i've always been a big fan like you know the paul westerbergs of the world you know in in bands like you know like I said, like who's to do, and and I just lo- love it when somebody can come and be like that. The honesty of, of that kind of punk mm-hmm. is like when you hear Grant Hart or Bob Mould just being kind of raw and just saying what they felt, sure. and not doing like love songs, but it's like tell, you know really personal type of songs. And and there's something about when you can do that, like a Westerberg or a Bob Mould, um, or even like Joey Ramone. It's like they, that. There's something about that, you know, even like Deborah Harry. And, and if you think about Blondie, I mean, I, there's something I really get into that kind of song craft and I'm kind of missing it maybe because I grew up from that time period, but I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, where's the next band like that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think, I think we're, we're moving upward. Um, but you know, rock and roll will, will stick around just like, just like all, it always, it always, we always get surprised because I didn't, yeah. I didn't see, I didn't see Kurt Cobain coming. I didn't see when Guns N' Roses came because they, they were kind of like a response to a lot of the, you know, hair metal bands, and they were like, like, like they were like the Stones, mm-hmm. you know, because like cause we had a lot of hair metal. Maybe we had like Def Leppard. They were kind of like, oh, they're like our Zeppelin, you know, they're kind of trying to do it. And then, then GNR is like, wow, oh, they're actually doing it, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and. uh yeah, so there's always going to be some somebody comes along, you know, like another Pearl Jam or another Nirvana, Stone Temple Pilots or something like that. But um, yeah, I know in the underground, I'm always looking for them. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I'm sure they're out there. Yeah, well, I was talking to you guys. Catch, catch like, like, I think I think it's you guys in that kind of space to me. But um, so I'm looking forward. Are you guys planning to try to like when things get back to a certain yeah nature that you're going to continue? Our lives are all over the place right now, um, mm-hmm. and we're all, we're all kind of doing um, your own thing, in individual stuff. Uh, but as soon as as soon as we uh, you know get a grasp of the reins there a little bit, we'll we'll be back to making music. 
Yeah, because I like you. I like you know. We've been doing a couple of things, and I think I invited you, but I don't know if you're uh, able to. But we started to do these this thing called the Peg Bedroom Producer Festival, mm -hmm. and we did it in July. We actually had uh, because of the lockdowns, we did an online producer festival. We called it the Peg Bedroom Producer Festival. We did it from the 16th of July to the 18th, and, and podcast guests. We had 22 podcast guests that had been on the show play 20, 30 minute sets from wherever they were. Cool. So if they were in their basement or in their garage or on a sound studio, depending on where they were in the world, they, they did a performance. Um, and so we're, we're, we're doing it again in February from February 11th to the 13th. And we invite anybody who's been on the show. If you want to do like an unplugged show, if you want to do a video, we had some bands that just did videos and then sent us the video. Um, and then some <laughs> bands cool. actually played live from their bedroom studio however they wanted to do it and, and right we on. did it so like it's an open invitation if you can find a way to do it we, we, we actually rehearsed everybody and show them what to do but uh yeah you know we for, just um, have a way to do that for this project i uh i didn't really write it in a in a way knowing that i would write it live uh yeah. so i have no idea how i would do that um but i have been you know secretly doing some research to hopefully put some shows together and and, and do a little something something um That's so cool. i'll let yep. you know <laughs> yeah yeah if you happen to be available we are booking for that time period it's a weekend the 11th through the 13th is like a friday to a sunday for sure We're running from like seven in the morning to 11 at night and we've got it like almost half booked but um yeah um if you find a way that you could do some kind of cool live performance it's, and what we say you know people can kind of just do what they think is cool you know you know i kind of just do a jam and I just, you know, that's what I do a lot. That's that's kind of what I'm working on. I'm, I'm looking into a lot of uh, like sampler stuff. And I was just thinking about like live remixing some of my songs, slapping them together. Uh, yeah, doing like, like some uh, kind of controller to the kind of. Clip yeah, it I've been clips. looking at all sorts of sampler groove box things to see which one best fits. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of cool. Yeah, I mean, my force kind of fits the bill. It does what, everything I've been wanting to do. It does what the MPC does, but then I can actually play it. Yeah. Given the kind of guy I am, I just don't want to run the clip. I actually want to. Yeah, no, I, I want to perform, but also I don't want to hurt my pockets. So no, no, no. <laughs> there's all kinds of cool machines out there that started showing up. I mean, I think uh, even Roland brought their 707 back. Yeah. The MC 707 and, you know, I'm not pushing anything, but the, that, that, that 707 was a cool machine back in the day. And, and the new version of it is pretty cool. Um, but, you know, this NPCs, there's all kinds of controllers from everybody. Novation's got control. Everybody's got a yeah. controller. I was looking um, at the uh, the Novation Circuit Rhythm. Um, yeah, that is, that's a good machine. It's very similar to my Force. It's, yeah. it's kind of like the same thing, but it's probably I've, cheaper. I have tons <laughs> of friends who use the SP404. Yeah, um, and the new one came out. The, the, the brand Mark new two. one, which is yeah. crazy. The 404 is the standard. I've seen sure. like Joji. If you ever seen uh, Japanese artist Joji, mm -hmm. he uses that SP four or four real heavy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's he kind of what I'm and looking it, for. Yeah, he actually went to a club when he did a album release and oh. used it to do like almost every song from his record live. That's awesome. <laughs> he was, and I was like, I've never really used it. I, I understand how it works, mm -hmm. but it just is really cool to actually see him do it. And he was actually able to kind of. DJ himself. Yeah. Yeah. That's, which, what I'm, which, that's what I'm hoping to do. 
Yeah, that's yeah. that is a cool thing. I, I, very, I love artists that do that because I think it's really interesting. Like if you, you when can I'm a single like one man one person yeah. operation. It's tough and, doing it by yourself. <laughs> and I've always I've kind of had depended on sequencers. Uh-huh. Like I'm heavily depending on like analog and digital sequencers and then foot pedals and I that's how I do what I do. Yeah, yeah. And I've never had like a all in one solution until I got this force. Um but but yeah, like what I used to do is just like control the clock from multiple things with like CV, sure, and then kick things off with pedals, and right. I kind of just like forced it. <laughs> <laughs> but because uh, I just like, like I wanted to do it, and I just I didn't have the money to do other things, so I took the equipment I had and kind of jury rigged it to do what I wanted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be me. <laughs> but I, I think it's cool if you do that. You then you end up with like your your own workflow that's like you. Sure. You know, yeah. and then you're comfortable with it because you know how to work, how it works. I and mean, whether anybody else knows how to work, it doesn't matter. It's like as long as you can do it. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's my whole point. Is like if you're comfortable with it, it doesn't matter if that's like not the standard thing. It's like if it works for you, it works for you. Absolutely. Well, I, I really appreciate that you came on the show. I think it's interesting to see what you what you're doing today. I'm glad that you're still out here doing work and doing art because like today, sometimes uh, some of the people I've talked to in the past, they've not been able to continue. And it's awesome sure. to see that you're still doing it. Sure. Uh, yeah. If, like I think I told you, like if any of the other guys in the band want to come on, like I'm, I'm open to having everybody come do whatever. Absolutely. Show I'm, I'm sure you'll have us all back soon. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So yeah, thank you for being on the show. This will be out there on Spotify within like an hour or two. And uh, we'll send you the YouTube and Facebook and Twitch links that are live. Uh, they will be the permanent version so you can send it to your friends and stuff. And we could actually send you an MP3 and MP4 if you want to take cuts of this and promote it however you want. That would be cool. Thank you. We'll send it to your like we transfer type of thing. But, uh, All right. <laughs> thank you. Thank, thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. Yeah, uh, well, we'll definitely talk to you later. And, and anytime you have anything new that you're pushing, you know, always get in touch with us. We always like to uh, stay in touch with the artists we talk to. Absolutely. All right. Thank you very much. It's Steven, Bob, make sure you hit the link, download, favorite, subscribe, playlist, do everything you can. Please. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Have a good one.